Hello, I'm Ken Bruce. I appeared as a guest on My Time Capsule, and after that I had to give up a job I'd had for 46 years. <sighs> anyway, they want me to tell you that they've started a thing called Acast Plus, where for a small monthly fee you can get the podcast ad-free. For me, I think the ad's are the best thing in it. That Fenton Stevens, he does drone on a bit. Anyway, whatever you like, do something and have a go at it. ACAS Plus, my time capsule. Thanks, Ken. Charming. Anyway, to get my time capsule ad-free and for a bonus my time capsule, the debrief episode every week, subscribe to ACAS Plus. Details in the description of this episode. Thanks. Bloody Ken Bruce, what a cheek. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello again, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens. In this podcast, I ask various guests to tell me the five things from their life they would like to keep safe in a time capsule. They can choose anything that is personal to them from any time in their life, but they can only choose four things that they treasure or love – The fifth thing has to be something they either regret or find embarrassing or unjust. My guest this week is the writer and actor Darren Lytton. Darren began his career as what some people call a jobbing actor, which is not bad. At least he was an actor with a job. After leaving the Central School of Speech and Drama, he appeared in Green Wing, Spaced, French and Saunders, Doc Martin, EastEnders and Casualty. But his career changed when his college friend, Catherine Tate, asked him to write some sketches for her show. He ended up performing in the show and co-writing it. It was a sketch written for, but rejected by that show, that developed into his massive solo project, Benidorm, for ITV. This ran for ten series and was a huge hit, winning a BAFTA and seven National Television Awards. He's also written episodes of Not Going Out and the Only Fools and Horses spin-off, Green Green Grass, as well as the BBC comedy series Scarborough. Most recently, he opened a Benidorm-themed bar, Mateo's Bar, near his home, in Benidorm. 
And that's a bar I am definitely going to visit one day once they lift the ban. Hmm, you know the one I mean. The ban on singing Sweet Caroline on the karaoke. Anyway, here's the lovely Darren Lytton and our chat. Well, Darren, how lovely to have you on my time capsule. It's very nice to be here. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to have you, actually, because uh, I've always found you one of the nicest people to talk to. And I'm astonished to be here because I'm the least famous person that you, you've ever talked to. Oh, give to. me time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think some people will be uh, excited to hear what you've, what you've chosen. And uh, if you're ready, let's see what you've put in there. Yes, I am ready. That's and brilliant. the first thing I'd like to put into this time capsule is a meeting that I had. I mean, I met somebody mm -hmm. and, and I spent some time with them and I only spent probably about three minutes with them, but I clearly could have stayed a lot longer. I wasn't imposing and I wish I'd stayed longer. Now, this person, uh, it was a singer called Jimmy Scott, who very few people have heard of. Jimmy Scott... Um, I don't, I've not heard of Jimmy Scott. No, he started his career as little Jimmy Scott and he's, he's, in, he's an American jazz singer, and he was kind of, I think it was even possibly the late 30s he started, certainly the 40s and 50s. Wow. And his story is incredible. He had Callum syndrome, which is a, a genetic disorder mm. that limited his physical growth. Hence tiny, little. Very tiny, hence the little. Yeah. Uh, and his voice, the first time I heard him singing, I thought, oh, my God, who is this singer? She's fantastic. Because he has a very high voice. Oh, uh, yeah. And then over the years, he got a, a lot of sort of celebrity followers, but not until not until the 90s when he sort of had a comeback. Mm. He was under a... Well, like Bob Monkhouse. <laughs> well, well, funnily <laughs> enough, Bob Monkhouse obviously sustained his work over his whole career. Yeah. And we all have sort of peaks and troughs and stuff, but... Jimmy Scott was under a terrible contract. I think Ray Charles's uh, record label, Tangerine Records. And in those days, in the 40s, basically, a lot of the black singers, they would cut an album, they'd borrow $100, and they'd pay the $100 back over 10 years. Wow. So they'd never make any money. No. They'd never, and because, of, because Jimmy Scott did look a bit odd, or he didn't look what we would say, you know, particularly aesthetically, yeah. you know. So they didn't put him on his first album. They put this very beautiful woman with a huge afro uh, that sort of took up most of the album and looked very striking and beautiful. And it said Jimmy Scott. So they assumed Jimmy Scott was this woman. Wow. So he never got any recognition. <laughs> and he just kind of, he did a couple of albums... He, so he went into obscurity. I think he went to work in a supermarket or something like that. And then eventually, I think it was in the late 80s or early 90s, he sang, he was asked to sing at Doc Pomus, is a, a lyricist, songwriter. He wrote, I think he wrote Viva Las Vegas for Elvis Presley and, and various other songs. So Jimmy Scott sang at this guy's funeral and there were record label people there and they went, is that Jimmy, you know, the people that could remember, is that little Jimmy Scott? Because, of course, he would be, like, 60 then, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still singing this very high... I mean, the, to hear his voice, it's almost like a lament. People say, oh, you can hear the, the struggle, the, the, the life this person has lived in their mm, voice. Mm. I think Madonna and Joe Pesci, who became sort of celebrity fans um, in the 90s after his resurgence, said he was the only singer that could make them cry. Wow. Anyway, so I went to see Jimmy Scott at the Jazz Café in Camden, 
asked a couple of mates, who? Jimmy who? Oh, no, I'm all right. <laughs> well, he's a jazz singer. He's a 67-year-old jazz singer. Oh, can't Ooh. wait. <laughs> In fact, do you know what? I had two tickets. Somebody was coming with me, and they blew me out at the last minute. And I was like, ah, I don't mind. So I went, and he was amazing. He was amazing. And then after, there's, I don't, I've not been to the jazz cafe since, I don't know, but there's an upper level, which is accessible to everyone. It's just another, you know, part of the club. Yeah. And then after the set, I was sort of hanging about. I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to come through. I'd taken, like a little fanboy, my box set to ask him to sign. Of course, no phone cameras those days, no, no. selfie madness, you know. There's but, always, there are always a few people in the world who you don't care, do you? You just want the, that oh, signature. Oh, this person, like, such a legend. Weirdly, we were talking about my show Benadorm, which ran for ten years. The only person or people I ever asked for a selfie with now, we had Joan Collins, Silla Black, you know, yeah. Tony Hadley, you Hayden know. Hayden Pace. Uh, Hayden Pace. <laughs> Shane <Lynch. laughs> um, <laughs> But we had so many people. I bumped into Gareth or Norman on the train the other or day. Or Norman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wasn't it terrible when they used to say, OK, travelling now, uh, going in this car, uh, Hayden Pace. And he's like, sorry, sorry, we've got names. We have <laughs> yeah, got yeah, names. Um, so, sorry, go No, go. no, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, the <laughs> only person I've ever had a selfie with. Yeah. The Crankies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never asked anybody else. Brilliant. Uh, so I'm standing there in the, in the jazz cafe and he walks in to, to this top bit with a couple of people, not loads of people, just two people, and they're sort of chatting. I thought, right, I'll go up, and if they're just deep in conversation, that like I, you know, mind my own business, I'll just yeah. go home, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I went upstairs, and I think I waited, not, you know, I didn't wait next to them, I sort of hid in the shadows for about ten minutes... And then the person that was talking to him was talking to somebody else, and he was just sitting there. And I thought, oh, God, dare I? Anyway, so I got my CD case out, the box set and the pen, went over. I said, oh, Mr Scott, I'm so sorry to bother you. Would you mind uh, signing this? And he went, sit down, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And we sat and we chatted for about three or four minutes. And I was a bit in awe. So, like, you know, I didn't want to sound like I was interviewing him or anything like that. but, But he was so comfortable and nobody else was talking to him. He would, clearly would have quite happily and sat and chatted for so ages. So did you break the conversation off? Did you sort of go, well, I've taken enough of your time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, oh, well, I'd better go. I've Somebody got, you'd always, always... I've got college in the morning. I was at drama school. Uh, I said, oh, I've got a... What are you studying, baby? Um, he's like sort of one of these... Almost like a sort of Sammy Davis Jr. sort of trapped in the sort of 60s, you know, right. sort of, hey, that's yeah, groovy, do. baby, yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm studying drama. Oh, good luck with it. Good luck. Do you sing? I said, no, no, I don't sing. Oh, well, good luck with it. I said, oh, thank you. And I literally, I, in fact, I lived in Swiss Cottage and I didn't get the bus home. I walked home. You know when there's that phrase, I walked on air. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm getting actually emotional thinking about it. (laughs) I skipped home and I listened on my little headphones, uh, on my, you know, Walkman, cassette Walkman or whatever it was. Mm. I listened to, um, and if I can recommend one album to start with, Falling in Love is Wonderful is an incredible album, but the one he did in the 90s, which were all covers, I th- I'm pretty sure it's called Holding Back the Years, and if it's, if it's not, that's the main track on it. Yeah. And he sings these songs, and he sings quite slow. So he does, he does Nothing Compares to You, which I think is about five minutes. It's about <laughs> 12 minutes when he sings it, but it's a... Uh, Oh, it's good if you if you're feeling depressed. It's a real, yeah, a real wrist take, slasher. It's fabulous. Take you right over the edge. <laughs> but you've always been a champion of uh, of, of singers that sort of come out from offside, haven't you? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of 
of, in Benidorm, you would you were constantly finding people. Oh, I see. In in Benidorm, to, yeah. Um, well, I just thought if you're going to do a show about Benidorm, what better than to show people that actually sing there on the cabaret circuit, yeah. and then people can go on holiday to Benidorm and go, oh wow, look, and not that they sing you know, well. That's yeah, exactly. People yeah, yeah. sort of assume that there's a there's a, a a low standard, and I don't think ever you should judge people's standards by their success necessarily, because as we know, there have been incredibly well, that, successful people who really aren't very good. And there's also the question: What is success? Yes. Is success making a living, doing what or you is love, success yeah. singing to audiences that love you? Yeah, whether you're doing it for free or not. Yes, quite. I have a, a sort of connection with a lot of Elvis tribute artists, as they're called, <laughs> not impersonators, ETAs. Yeah. What's yes. the ETA on the ETA? And there's a guy... Um, who's the main one in Benidorm that we went to see? Who's? Oh, uh, that probably was Simon Patrick, I think. Right. The slightly younger one, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a, a couple of others. Who's uh, amazing, isn't he? Do you know what? The, the, I mean, it's terrible to say, but even the bad ones are good. <laughs> For slightly different reasons. <laughs> yeah. But there's a guy who... Um, Darren Jones, I think his name. I think his full name is Darren Graceland Jones. <laughs> it's wonderful. And he sings in old people's homes. Mm. And, you know, you can snigger at that saying, an Elvis impersonator that, that just sings in old people's homes. Dear God. And you see him, footage of him singing in an old people's home and people with Alzheimer's that don't know what day it is no. sing along with every word yes. of the, each song. And you say... Is that success? It, it, I think it is. Is that not worth it? Yeah. Yes, I know. So I would like that conversation being time capsule, but can I make it longer? Yeah, you can Obviously. stay there and chat for... for okay, all night. Yeah. Okay. So good. he says, he says, hey, we should go out. Come we should on. have dinner. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Let's grab some yeah, dinner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got a friend in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about him. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Which drama school did you go to? I went to... As we hilariously put it, the central school of screech and trauma. <laughs> That's what we called it. So, yeah, I think I was probably in my... Do you know what? I think it was the same year that I went to see Frank Sinatra, not at the Jazz Cafe, at the Docklands Arena. And again, nobody would go with me. No. <laughs> I remember the ticket was 80 quid. And like, I was saying to people, I'm going to go see Frank Sinatra. I was like, is he still alive? That's what they first said. Uh, yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah. Do you fancy it? Oh, yeah, yeah, don't mind. I'm, you know... When's he on? Yeah, it's 80 quid a ticket. This yeah. was in, like, 1990. No. Well, nah. that was that was That was your weekly... That was your monthly rent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I saved and saved and saved. So, yeah, I think it was a, it was a good year. That, that was a good year. That year for... I would have liked to have seen Frank Sinatra. And I sneaked a bottle of Jack Daniels in. Jack Daniels was the drink that Frank Sinatra... And the, the, the concert was in the round. And I was kind of fairly near the front. I'd say about 10 rows from the front. But I was on the aisle... So it was like... Close so, enough to see his toupee move. Well, he walked, He was three feet away from me because, of course, wow. it's in the round. So yeah, the, of course. the aisle, the, the, the walkway for him to get there, which was on... It wasn't raised. It was on uh, where the level of the seating. Yeah. So he walked straight past. And actually, he was quite old, and his hair looked like a Brillo pad. <laughs> his face was orange, and his tongue was red. I don't know if he'd had a... A lolly or something. I got at it, but his tongue was bright red. His teeth were snow white. His fi- he looked like an umpalumpa. He looked like nothing. <laughs> I was like, Jesus God. And then he got on stage under like four. There's a there's a follow spot on each corner, like a, like a boxing ring sort of, you know, yeah. lighting rig. Under those lights, he just looked like Frank Sinatra. Yeah, 
So, yes. And then in... Beautiful suit, I should imagine. Well, he very famously, we're not in my office now, but if we were in my office, you'd see all my Frank Sinatra books. So I have read everything about him. And one of the things that he, uh, I know that in interviews he confirmed was when he put on a suit, he would walk like the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz to the stage because he said, nobody wants to see me in a crumpled suit. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, he always looked fantastic, didn't he? So I think, after, I think after my way or something, whatever, I sneaked this bottle of Jack Daniels in. It wasn't for me to drink. It was to of give to him. And I went up and put it on the stage. And he, yeah. Anyway, I'd love, to, I'd love to have a great anecdote. And, yeah, he, just looked, and he just looked and went, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, hey, and then a bit later... Do you know what? It. And then a bit later, a very beautiful woman went up and put a bottle of Jack Daniels on the stage, smaller than mine, and he did five minutes with her. Yeah. You see? (laughs) That's the way they were. That's the way they were. He knew where his bread was buttered. Exactly. Even at 107. (laughs) Brilliant. So what's your second item? Is this a nice item or something you want to visit or or want to have again? Or or are you going down the dangerous Well, I can't have it again. As they say, you know, you, you only get one chance to make a first impression sort of thing. So this is my first big laugh uh-huh. that I got. Uh, I'm currently, I would, if anybody asked me what I did for a living, I'd say I'm a, a writer. And then I guess after that, I'm an actor. Mm. I was an actor uh, and trained as an actor. Before that, I was a magician. And I was a professional magician. I had a living for a magician for about a year and a half. But before all that, when it was just my hobby, when I was a kid... I was about 15, and I was in The Wizard of Oz at the Hornsey Floral Hall. Hornsey in, in East Yorkshire, not yeah, in London. Yeah, no, not down London way. Good heavens, no. Um, <laughs> and um, it was an amateur production of The Wizard of Oz, and I played the wizard. And most people at the end of it said, oh, that was good how you got that, you know, that, that sort of bloke to age up. And they went, you know, the bloke was 15. And they went, we thought you were about 35. <laughs> um, and so I was aged up as the wizard. And um, anyway, and I did a trick in that. I said, well, I'm the wizard. Why don't I do, you know, and it was like some, it was like a flash and something appeared. I can't remember what. So after that, the same people said, oh, we're doing a fundraising concert. It, the main thing is a band. Would you do just, just five minutes, you know? Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, definitely. So I did two tricks that are quite good, but you can just buy them off the peg sort of tricks. Yeah. Um, but my first big laugh, I thought, well, I'm doing these tricks. I said, in between, I tried to do... I was doing a lot of old jokes. There was a band behind me sitting there, so I was doing the whole, you know, I've seen better bands on a cigar, and you remind me of Glenn Miller. I wish you'd get on a plane and fucking disappear, <laughs> uh, and all that sort of thing. I didn't, I didn't say the F word, actually. I was about 14, 15. So the first big woofer, do you know what I mean, big yeah, laugh of yeah. my career, and might have been the last time <laughs> I need to check, was, and it was completely... Off the cuff. And I said, you know, it's all fine doing these magic tricks. You know, I'm not properly talented like these singers and everybody else you've got. Oh, I can do an impression, actually. I can do one impression. And I said, Joe Johnson. Now, Joe Johnson was a um, snooker player. Yeah. Which was on all the time. Yeah, of course, the then there was only like three program. channels or whatever. So, uh, you know. Everybody knew. Everybody was watching it. And I just put my head down. I've got very heavy eyebrows, uh, dark eyebrows, which were even more pronounced in those days. And I sort of put my head down and I just wiggled my eyebrows up and down, which this snooker player used to go down and these eyebrows... You, it's not very good for a podcast, this, but my, no, I, my no. eyebrows look like two energetic caterpillars at the moment going up and down and up and down. <laughs> I did that and it was a... Everything else got, you know, laughs where I thought they would. 
It's such a silly thing. An actual thing. The whole... And I think it was a combination the fact that I looked about 12. I'd been doing whatever it was. So, yes, I'd like to... Keep that in the time capsule. That so, what first... is it about that that thrills you then? What is, is that you, you suddenly went? It was just a surprise. It was right. just a surprise because I always knew um, I was a member of the whole magicians' circle. I would do stuff from like you know twelve or thirteen, and I always was the one that said, and you know, I suppose it's it still counts, but it was a bit of a gimmick then. I was always the one that would say something that would push the envelope a bit too far. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd come on, and they'd be like a magician that everybody tolerated. His act was appalling. And we did, and we put the put the put the handkerchief um, in the. Oh no, that's the wrong bag, and, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, God. And like, so I'd go on after him, and I'd say thank you for thank you to Roger Strawn. Um, they do say you know he's a hard act to follow, and I've got to say I couldn't follow a bloody word of it. <laughs> and I would say that at like twelve. Yeah. So I was used to getting a sort of delayed laugh. Yeah. Because they were quite... And uh, not expecting you to be funny, I suppose. Well, not expecting to be funny, and also not expecting me to be so rude about people. <laughs> like, in those days, you expected it from people like Joan Rivers, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, not a 12-year-old kid. Uh, and also, it was the, probably the biggest audience I'd played to, uh, to the, that point, you know. Mm. But there must have been 400 people there. Brilliant. And that's a big noise, isn't it? When you... It's a big noise. And also when people, you can hear people didn't expect to laugh as well. So that's it always catches the best them, bit. yeah, by surprise. So, yeah, so that was my first I ever mean, people often laugh. talk about actors wanting applause. But actually, I always think that applause is sort of, in a way, slightly automatic. It comes... It's they kind know of expected. Where it's, they know you where it's you have to do to really badly not to get applause. Yeah. You know, yeah, for everybody to sit there and stare at you. Yeah, you hold your arms out and you get, you know, applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to get laughs, you and, can't, and, and you can't laugh make well, people you know, laugh. You know, no, you can't. You can make, you can make no. them applaud. No, people you, will laugh politely, but a big wolf is always you've caught them by surprise completely. Yeah. I didn't really have, you know, when people sort of go, and that's when I knew <laughs> I wanted to be a professional <laughs> asshole for the rest of my life. I uh, no, I was just, oh god, and I thought, well, there you go. And of course, I never did that again because I was never asked <laughs> to no. do any sort of. So at twelve years old, that's that means that's natural timing. Yeah, you know, and some people do have that, don't they? I mean, you find you see children who've got absolutely natural time. Completely, I remember being at a magic convention um, at Blackpool, and this little kid came on stage, and I mean, he must have been nine or ten, and he, do you know who it was? It was Andy Nyman's son. Really, it was Preston Nyman. Yeah, and he came on. What they'd done is. He was dressed in, like, velvet bow tie, frilly shirt. He, he was dressed like Bernard Manning, basically. <laughs> but he was 10. And he wasn't, he wasn't doing, you know, blue material. But he was doing an old man's act. And he was 10. And, and, I, and I guess that was the gimmick. I've never asked yeah, uh, Andy, yeah. actually. But, um, but what you can't teach is the timing. No. And he had the timing. That's what was the talk of the convention. Yeah. Sometimes it's very annoying. I did once work with a... Childhood, but the director said to him, you know, sincerity is my middle name. And he said, what's your first name? In. (laughs) (laughs) That's something you want to slap, not something you want to admire. Um, I I saw um, 
Jason Manford, who you've worked with yeah. in Scarborough, who I think I've always admired. I think he's a very funny man. Yes. But uh, he did a new um, quiz show on the BBC, and he did a joke in that, which I immediately put into the back of my brain. Oh, good, which yes. Which was, uh, have you ever played uh, blindfold darts? And he says, oh, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Ah, that's brilliant. Good joke, isn't it? That's very good. Yes. Yeah. Do you know? Um, do, can you remember jokes? I can't. I, I have a habit. I've become much better at it. I've got this habit, particularly with pantomime, of that, that repeating to myself well, there a lot you go, yeah, and pantomime. shoving them in the back of my head. Yeah, you need so a that few they're there. Things. You know, I can I can draw on them. I had the only one I can ever remember is you know. Uh, oh no, I've forgotten it. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't a joke. And literally, there was one. You know when people say tell a joke, yeah. And of course, you know you don't Oops. want to. I literally have forgotten it. Anyway, no. <laughs> occasionally I write a joke for pantomime rather than nick it, you know, because uh, pantomime is a is a great source of uh, theft, unfortunately. Well, yeah. Oh, you know. you're telling me when we did the Catherine Tate show, uh, which I was a main writer on. Yeah. Stuff that I'd written. That year and like the next year, I'd sit and was like, "Oh my goodness!" That's they're mine. literally just they're doing the sketch. From... I've, I've had the same thing. I've written routines for pantomime and then seen them saw, in another pantomime. I saw one of them at the uh, National Theatre. Was uh, mm-hmm. marvelous. I won't tell you. I guess, like it, but I'm sure you can work it out. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I guess you sort of if you put them, it's a bit like it's, it's going into the public domain. If you it's if you put it into a panto, of... you know it's going to be hopefully That's it's strange. a compliment if it's passed on throughout the generations. That, that, that is the way Panto's gone, yeah, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, certainly with routines, you would think people would go, that's a good routine, we'll do something like that at works, you know. But, and not many of them are new. They've been going on for hundreds of years. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know. But, just, I mean, I, I had a joke uh, uh, staying in a lovely hotel. The woman said to me, would you like a wake-up call? I said, yes, please. She said, you're old, you're fat, and you've done nothing with your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I've got to say it's funny because it's true. It's that's not true at all. You're not a pound overweight, tough. unlike myself. So that, so that was so that's my first big laugh. Now my next one is a bit of a cheat. Yes, please do. Because it cheat away. Right, we've come to the point where we take a short break in this podcast for an advert. We'll be back in a moment. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Welcome back. Okay, let's get back to Darren Lytton and find out what else he would like to put in his time capsule. It's my first big gasp. Oh, really? I don't mean me running for the bus. I mean, because I was a magician, when you do something and the audience, and you get a gasp. See, that's, wow. quite, uh, that's quite amazing. It's nothing like a laugh, obviously. No. It's completely no. different. Anyway, so this first big gasp that I got, again, might have been the last one, um, was for a school assembly. We were doing like a commercial, like a living commercial mm. for probably a pantomime or something for the school. I would imagine I'd be about 11 or something. Wow. So myself and Philip Higginbottom mm-hmm. were, Knowing well, yeah. were told to do this. Will you do an advert for the show? And I said, well, why don't we do a magic trick each, just one each, and say, now we've got your attention, please come to see the, you know, Goldilocks and Three Bears and blah, blah, blah. So Philip had a tube, say like a drain pipe, Okay, mm-hmm. about uh, a foot long and sprayed silver. So he looked through the tube to the audience, looked through the drain pipe, nothing in the drain pipe, then pulls out a long handkerchief, big headscarf. Yeah. Okay. Now, the thickness of the drain pipe, you could have got a double-decker bus in there. So <laughs> Philip Higginbottom yeah. did not get the gas. Uh, that was polite applause. He got polite applause, yeah. which was good because it set me up for them going, ah, this is crap. Yeah. And their kids, let's... You no know, expectation. No expectation. So he gives me this hat. Not a tiny little silk scarf that you can push into your fist, uh, like a headscarf. Yeah. Huge. And I'm a kid, so I've got, you know, small hands. So I start pushing this huge handkerchief in my hand. Then we get to the point where my hand's getting bigger and bigger because it can't hold the handkerchief. So I'm saying, I'm not sure this is all going to disappear in one go. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Eventually get the whole handkerchief, well, headscarf, into my hand, push up my sleeve with my free hand, and then I just turn my hand around and it's empty. Wow. And the That's and I would genuine... Guess gasp because it hardly fit into my hand yeah there was no it couldn't fit into any sort of device or little contraption or it was there's nothing there it's just your arm and i push you push up your sleeve Sleeve, so it's not going up the sleeve you open your hand and and it's gone and that gasp i would like to put in the time capsule (laughs) because do you know what i don't think there has been another one (laughs) but i don't do magic anymore oh yeah no absolutely what a fantastic thing but I, I agree. I think it just would be lovely to be there again with any of these things, wouldn't it? Just to just, in a way, it would be nice to be the person sitting at the back of the hall watching your young self. Well, do you know, I read a great quote today, Brian Blessed, and he says, I can't wait to wake up in the morning and be me. <laughs> well, that's lovely. And I thought if we could all have a bit more of that attitude, yeah. you know, rather than bleh, when we look in the mirror when Well, I'm sure shaving. to be Brian Blessed, you'd have to love being him, because he well, is <laughs> Yes, you'd, yes, or, or you'd get exhausted, wouldn't you? wear yourself out very quickly. <laughs> and nobody could use that many swear words in a sentence. No. He's <laughs> famous for it, isn't he? Oh, that's beautiful, though. I, I'm not going to ask you how you did this trick. Well, you, I, I mean, you wouldn't tell me anyway. I'm still a member of the Magic Circle, so Sorry, of course Dave, I wouldn't no tell you. But, uh, but I, but I say- know that if I, if I saw that trick, if I was sitting there, I saw an 11-year-old boy mm. do that, I would gasp. I think the great thing is, the ex- first of all, the expectations are low because we were kids. Yeah. And then I, we, we didn't set it up like this, but his trick was so crap 
that... Don't, anyway. There's no... Oh, you can watch a magician. Oh, right, OK, sit forward in my seat. Um, he's not going to get away with this. I'm going to see everything. First of all, two kids come on. Oh, there you go. First one, oh, bless. You know, mm. it's terrible. So there, there's zero expectation. Yeah. I, do you know, I, it's not a case of me wanting to go to the time capsule and relive it or anything. No. I just want it to be there. Yeah, just to know it's there. <laughs> to know just it's occasionally there. peek. <laughs> but open it up and smell the air. Yeah, just press play every now and again. <gasps> <gasps> Very nice. I'll tell you what, I get a find a gasp somewhere on an audience thing. I'm going to record it and send it to you. It won't be as good. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, where are we? So that's three. Number, yeah. you've, you've put three things in the time capsule. I have. I've only got oh, one. I've only got one good one left. Only one good one. Do you want to do good or bad? Do you want to save good bad for last or? I'll let's do the other good one. Saving the worst well, for it, last. Well, it's kind of it's good and it's bad. It depends the way you want to look at it. Okay. I would like to have in the time capsule uh, some hair. Not uh, not any old hair. My hair. Uh, which I had once. Uh, <laughs> and do you know what? The reason I'm saying this is because it's something I don't think about at all. I genuinely don't think about it. You know, and, and in fact, when anybody ever, if anybody ever says, if anybody's late and they say I was doing my hair, I'd think, oh, well, there you go. That's why I'm always early, I yeah. suppose. Um, but as you asked, Mike, mm-hmm. as you asked, I will put in the time capsule my very luscious, dark head of hair. And, well, how does it work? How does the time capsule work? Can I go back and well, can, can I go back and have a, another night out with my hair? Yeah, I think so. I don't see any reason why not. <laughs> I mean, it's there for you to have, so you can take it out the case. I'm going to. I want it back now. Okay. That's it. I've had it. Oh, so well, if you there want to put, you go, then. Want to put it back on. But the only the only reason, and it sounds like the lady doth protest too much, but <laughs> the only reason I'm doing it is because I just don't think about it. Do you no. know what I mean? No. And and this, with so many people, I spoke to them the other day. Who was going to? They said, "Oh, I'm I'm getting the hair transplant." And of course, and I, of course, I went. Well, as long as you're not going to Turkey, when they all do that, they went, "Yeah, I'm going to Turkey." Like, oh, well, I'm sure they. Do, I'm sure they do a few good ones, but yeah, that's the other thing. If somebody said, um, "For for half a million pounds, we can put it back," you'd go. Oh, if they you make back and it's there and it's not it going anywhere and it, it doesn't yeah. look rubbish. Yeah, it, it looks, looks like, like it was. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. No, no, yeah, I would. You would. But that doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. So no. I have no... Int- no. Well, at the moment, at the moment it doesn't exist. Who knows? Now for me, it would be really strange, because I, you are you. Well, do you know what's really odd? Somebody said... that They said exactly that the other week, and they said, oh, I don't think you'd look right with hair. Would- and, then I, and then, of course, I sort of thought, well, that's annoying, because I've got hair. I've yes. just not got much of it, no. and you can't really see it very well, but... It's terrible, because now I've said it, now I've vocalised it, they go, oh, God, he can't bear being bald. And it's like, no, it's actually fine. I've never known you mention it. But as never you, even known you think about it. I would I mean, not ever think about it, but as you asked. OK. I, gave, <laughs> I offer you the opportunity. Don't blame me. You asked. <laughs> it's so, my fault. Yes, that, that I'll have my... Um, my hair was always not thin as in thinning, and also I didn't go actually bald... And my hair at the sides and the back is white anyway. Good, hmm. You know, very light. Um, not unlike yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Just that you've got nothing um, wrong with you've that. You've got a lot more of it. Um, I don't think I've got a lot more. I think it's more evenly spread. 
<laughs> as, as my act, the Bill Matt of my act, Little Spread Thin. <laughs> That's basically um, my career. Yeah, but no, I'm not going <laughs> to start doing a comb over. I'm not going to get... Um, I wore a wig uh, in, a, in a play um, about a year ago and, and I, I kept... And I sort of... Be blowing out of my eyes as as, as a as a gag as like an affectation, but I thought, yeah, it's quite annoying here. Okay. Do you know what I would do? Even if this is the this is well, the the, the point is, if I did have hair, I probably would have the same haircut. You'd, <laughs> you'd shave it all, honest off. to God. But you'd be able to see it. You know? <laughs> yes, but you'd sort of go. Would there be a thin veneer of it towards the front? There I, is, you see, there is. Well, now, now, for the first time, actually, I'm looking at your head closely. Without, yeah. Uh, see, I don't think that people. And there is a lot of hair on. There's it. quite a lot of hair on yeah. the back of my head, the sides of my head. But of course, I cut it very, very short, and then. So I have a feeling if I, if I shaved my head, it wouldn't look dissimilar. I've got a fairly thin patch of the there, and well, of course, there's the other thing. The other thing, I've. I've got an acceptable shaped head. A very nice shaped head. Very, very Not very nice, but accept, it's acceptable. Well, it's very round. Some very, people... Oh. oh. Frightening. No, and sort some of people... Like trenches a, and dips yes. in it and all sorts of things. And like a dumbbell, you know what I mean? Sort of like goes in a bit and then out a bit. Like an egg timer. Oh, yeah. It's awful. No, so I'm very... I'm absolutely fine with not having hair, but... If it's in the time capsule, I might go back and have a night out in the time capsule, yeah. and and have a bit of a flicky, <laughs> a flicky, fringy night. So, you when know. did you have those nights? Then, when did that? When did that stop? I can tell you, I just had short brown hair, mm-hmm. and it was clearly not really thick. But you wouldn't say, "Oh, look at that poor unfortunate guy with hardly any hair." It was just short. Yeah, and then. We were on. We were doing the Catherine Tate show, and it was a sketch where I was in a shopping mall, asking Catherine. Uh, she was. An, it was an information desk, and this woman who was terrible at giving all you know information to people. And we'd rehearsed this, and in the afternoon, and mm. then in the evening, the makeup woman said, "Do you want some of this on your hair?" And I went, "What is it?" She said, oh, it's like a sort of, it looked like pepper in like a sort of shake, sort of pepper pot. And I went, what is it? And she went, we just shake it on and it's, um, you cover the bald patch. And I went, I haven't got a bald patch. And she went, oh no, just under the studio lighting. She said, it's literally, she didn't say these words, but it was like, and I'd looked because they, I'd gotten to play, you know, a playback. And You're it a monk. looks like a monkey's ass, yeah, on this... Uh, yeah, and so she sprinkled this, you know... I stuff. remember that stuff, the, the thickener. Yeah. Well, you see, I remember it from the 80s. Mm. Paul Daniels used to advertise it. Yes, um, I think so Terry she, Wogan used it, supposedly. I think, you, I think Terry used more than... More eventually, than a, eventually more than that, yes. <laughs> eventually more than that. Wasn't it, I was told that Terry Wogan had four hair pieces. <laughs> very and he, and, uh, Yeah, and we would... <laughs> Circulate them. There's a Roald Dahl Absolutely. short story, I think, or I mean, one of those books about somebody on a boat who takes three weeks with him so that eventually he can go and get his hair cut. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they have a they have the short at the beginning of the journey. It gets longer, and of course, the other thing where um, an, a makeup uh, woman said to me on a job, "How are you doing? What we've been up to? You know, since the last series." And she said, "Oh, should we do this thing for uh, morning TV?" And Charlton Heston was on, and she said. He got in the chair with his wife and he said, um, I think I'll just have a light trim, just just trim the edges. And she's thinking, 
he's wearing a wig. What am I going to do? <laughs> and, and the timing, she said, was impeccable. She said a, a quick trim. So she put the cape around him, and just as she picked up the scissors, the wife said, you know what, honey, I think you're fine. I think you're good. I like it. Like and he that. said, no, you're right. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, this works. No, this works. And she said we had, we had to go, oh, okay, that's... And it's okay, like, good. And she thought, whose benefit so was that's... that for? Not for a makeup artist. No, no, they can no, spot no, a wig can... from a mile away. <laughs> How weird. How extraordinary. So, yes, I'll have a night out with um, a full head of hair. Lovely. <laughs> you do hear those stories of... Uh, of I know Mariah Aitken, who's a very tall actress, yes, told me yes. that she was doing a play with Peter Bowles, mm-hmm. who's a very tall actor, Yes, and then he hurt his back. So he couldn't do it. And at the last minute, he had to find someone else. So they searched around for people. And uh, Roger Moore had just finished or dropped out of Aspects of Love. Yeah. And so they said, how tall is he? And his agent said, he's six foot two. And they said, great. Uh, Would he be willing to do it? And this is the money. And he said, yep, he's up for it. So next day, he turned up at rehearsal. And he was about five foot eleven. And she said, <laughs> so at the first break, she said, I'm, I'm really, it's very embarrassing. I'm sorry, but your, your agent said you were six foot two. Yeah. And he said, I am. And that was it. <laughs> uh, so so the, I guess the last... Uh, we, we, we've come to the to we've, final item. We've hurtled to the final one. You can't put any more in. This has got to be a good one. This is it. You can't, you know, I like what you've got in there. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, good, good. See, I don't know what... I, I, we were chatting before this, and I was laughing that I am... Of all the people that you're doing this podcast with, I am the only person I've never heard of. <laughs> um, so I, I was a bit worried, really. Um, and probably rightly so, because this last one is... It's not great. It's a bit rubbish, but I thought of other things and I was like, no, I'm sorry, I've got to say this because it infuriates me more than anything and it remains the blight of conversation in for the last few years and it is starting sentences with the word so. And every expert, like yourself, I listen to... It's just Radio 4 is just on all day and night. And mm. it's, it's whether I'm there or not. It's not that I put it on. It's just on. You yeah. Know? And um, the amount of experts, and not just, you know, here's somebody from a gaming organisation, this 22-year-old. It's, no, no, no. This is people like from... It, the these British, are broadcasters. Broadcasters, people, you know, from the British Museum. You know, you know, in our time with Melvin Bragg, and here we have these incredible, you know, wonderful... Experts in their field. Experts in their field and learned people starting every bloody sentence with the word so. So what we... And it's like... Even when it doesn't call for it, if you said, "How do you how do you make how do you make filled pastry?" So the first thing you need, you kind of can you can accept can that. You see that? that you know, yeah. When they say, "How many people got off the boat?" Mm. So the number of people, no, no, no not so. You don't need so, and it's people are completely unable to do anything but that. And it's I'm not a very you know, I'm a bit embarrassed the fact that I'm a writer for a living now and I have no, I have very little education. I have no qualifications, so I'm not what you'd call an academic. I'm not a very, I'm, I'm certainly not a well-read person. Um, Apart from Frank Sinatra. 
I know everything about Frank Sinatra. But, you know, I remember John Sullivan, uh, when I worked for him, uh, I wrote a couple of episodes of... of, of uh, green, green grass. Uh, green, green grass. Yes. And he was talking about Dickens, and I said, oh, I'd, I've never read Dickens. He went, what? You've never read Dickens? No, no. And the next time I saw him, he bought me a, a copy of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. He said, look, just, just start with that. Just start with that. And I went, oh, oh yes, I will. Never read, never read it. Never read it. It does go on a bit. It's about <laughs> three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I probably... I probably I've got a recording read the first I've recorded it, so oh, I'll send you? it to you. And then you can listen to it. I, I, yeah, maybe it's better to listen to it. But um, but I agree. I mean, it's, every, it's, it's his verbose Dickens. Yeah. So and the writing of that time would have been I incredible. I think I remember. But they rarely started sentences with the word so. You see, this is my point. And, and this, you know, there's there's no punchline to this. There's no anecdote. I've got no. This isn't a, this isn't the beginning to a bit of stand up or anything like that. I've no, never, no, I've never done stand up. I'd rather die for goodness' sake. Um, and I don't see it going away. No, no. It used to be well. Well, and it sort of replaced the word well. People, it's a that's a sort of a thinking time, isn't it? It's a thinking so time. Is, so is just a. It's not. It doesn't even give you that. Doesn't even give anything. You say time. well. It gives you time to think of an answer. It's but... like, yeah, it's just an affectation. Mm. It's not even... When politicians used to say, um, let me be absolutely clear, that's, you know, let me be absolutely clear. You've yeah. had loads of time oh, to think of something. time to think of an answer now. That's like, you've got three or four options during that. Yeah, yeah. But so, what we do... It doesn't help. No, it's terrible. You knew the answer before you said the word so. Do you know what? I was going to try and be really clever, and for each of these, I was going to start it with so. <laughs> and then the last one, then the last one I was going to say, if you go back and you're look at these... Only... I couldn't bring myself to do it! How <laughs> much you would have loathed yourself. Do you know why? Because I thought somebody might have got three quarters of the way through and said, I'm not listening to this arsehole. <laughs> he starts everything he with can't so. can't even say anything without using the word so. <laughs> I wanted to do that. And I thought, oh, how clever of me. But I thought, no. No, because people, I hate it that much. I hate it that much. And God forbid, somebody, anybody I know listens to it and is like, oh, my God, he's turning to one of those. A, there, there are affectations or, in fact, uh, just mannerisms of, of speech that uh, annoy me, you know, and I think they annoy lots of people. I, I find it, as a man of a certain age, uh, the use of like drives me mad. Whereas other people don't mind it at all. Whereas I said the... at the end of a sentence, or it was like uh, it was. I went into this like shop and bought a like uh, dress. Well, how like a dress was it? It, was, it, did, it did not have any. Didn't have any sleeves. You see, when I think of the word use, the use of the word like inappropriately, I because I'm from Yorkshire, uh, they use it at the end of the word. Uh, um, you know, people would say, "How old is he? Is about is about thirty eight, like." So you, it'd be just a... But that's a, a sort of... I guess, what, I don't know if that's a colloquialism or I don't know what it is, but it's kind of accepted because that's how people... But in a way, it's the use of the like to to undermine what you're saying all the time. So... Is it a get-out-of-jail-free card? Because you said, no, no, I didn't say it was a dress. I said it, I, was it was a like. Like, <laughs> like it was like a dress. I think it's it's the same as so. It's just something that, something that just, just drops it, in it, that you it, can't it. help. It's just habit, really. But once you've found it, once you've found it, you can't, get you, can, it, you can't not hear it. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the more... Because we work in television and we know that... And radio and all these mediums where we know 
if you're listening to somebody, like I can't stand my own voice in conversation kind of thing. I think <laughs> I would, I think I'll be all right once I'm edited. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not, but what I don't say is so at the beginning of every sentence and like three times within each sentence. Yes. Do you know what? I shall stop being so hard on myself. <laughs> no, don't be. Don't be because it's been an absolute joy talking to you. Oh, it's been delightful. I was surprised and thrilled. I think, I think I, I look at this as one step closer to Desert Island Discs. <laughs> yeah, but there are about 50 steps. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, two or three at the most. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be perfect. Thank you, Mike. I've really enjoyed it. Lovely. Thanks, Terry. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Darren Litton. You can subscribe to this podcast on Acast, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we'd love it if you would rate us and leave a review. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You just search at MyTCPod or Mike Fenton-Stevens. That'll take you there. This podcast was produced by John Fenton Stevens, and the music is by Pass the Peas Music. It was a cast off production. So, until next time, hit it. Doobie doo, doobie doo. Oh no, I forgot it's banned. And I can't afford the royalties. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.